Welcome to a special edition of Monk Radio, or whatever we're calling this now, where we tackle the news, hopefully. If people have news articles that they want us to comment on, because mostly, normally we stick to meditation questions, questions about meditation and Buddhism. But tonight we're going to try and apply Buddhist principles to what's going on in the world because I'm sure all of you are much more in tune and interested in what's going on in the world. We've got elections, we've got economic issues, we've got natural disasters and climate and environmental concerns and all these things you can that are concerning your minds that are weighing heavily on your minds you can bring to us and we will help you solve them. Or we will provide some insight into the problems of the world from a Buddhist perspective. And hopefully that will be interesting. This is new. We haven't done this before yet. But I have done Buddhist news before uh, with another, with a Tibetan Lama who we did that for a little bit, but it got a little bit weird. So we stopped. But when it was going, it was going well. So there is hope that this might be a useful session. Some people might think, why are we concerned with worldly things? Well, we're not. But uh, people who are concerned with worldly things, we can help them to apply Buddhist principles to those things to help those, those issues weigh less heavily on their mind so they can get further and closer to their meditation practice. So, with me today is Robin and Ronald. And Ronald, you have to be careful you don't echo. Sounds good now. Sounds better now. But there was a weird echo there. So I think Ronald well, didn't realize what he was getting himself roped into, but he's now on the panel to uh, answer questions and to talk about news articles. I don't know, we've never met before, but he's been following us, so he, uh, he gets to be on Yeah, Just mute just your, the YouTube, like your, your old YouTube, and you'll just hear from the Hangout. I don't think he's got, think the, he's YouTube. got the YouTube. He's echoing, he's echoing the Hangout. You'll have to mute have yourself. To mute yourself. And if you want to talk, just raise your hand or something. Okay, so we have a link to the Hangout in our chat at meditation.sirimangalo.org. Even though this isn't exactly about meditation, we're still using the meditation page to, to host this. Oh, and I'm also broadcasting live so I hope this isn't unwelcome people might think boy what an interruption to my meditative evening now we're going to talk about the news that's the last thing I want to talk about so let's keep it meditative and interesting for Buddhist meditators we're not going to talk about um, celebrities or well unless it's pertinent but it should be something that potentially as a Buddhist response and allows us to think in terms of 
It allows us to talk and have a discussion in Buddhist terms. So if you have an article, you can submit it. If you don't, I'll just keep talking because we've got a quote that we can talk about. And we may also have meditation questions if there's no news articles. But there was an I had an idea to try this out on Monday nights, uh, talking about the news. So if there's an article you'd like us to talk about, the best thing for us is if you come on the Hangout, just click on the link, you need a webcam or at least a microphone, and tell us about the article, tell us about the news story, and ask what you'd like us to talk about. Ask what you'd, what you, you'd, you're interested in, interested in hearing, knowing about. Okay, Robin, what's this all about? Well, that was the the link for my news article, but somehow Wouldn't it didn't come out quite right. Yeah, I don't know if putting the link is the best idea. Yeah, it didn't it didn't work anyway. Put the article. Well, put the 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 this topic. We don't. I don't need a link to the article. It's not an article we're looking for. It's uh, okay. So, under questions, put like the headline. Sure, let me do that. On the YouTube, and that'll be what we're talking about. Today. Okay, sure, let me do that. So if you're on, if you're watching on YouTube and you have a topic, just give us the headline. Not in the chat. Um, oh, okay. I don't think the chat comes up. On, oops. I don't think the chat comes up. You have to actually go. Um, Ronald, if you want to ask questions, maybe you can leave the Hangout and go to YouTube and ask the question, ask the, post them there, post the titles there. Because I don't think you realized what was what this was. This is the panel for talking about them. But also your audio setup's a little weird. So, so I'm going to take you out of the Hangout, go to YouTube and post a... Uh, um, Post a headline there. Okay? Awesome. Thanks. Okay, so this does, but I think Yes. And we have Marco instead. Marco. Marco. Hi. Are you here to talk about the news? Uh well okay, I joined him. No, I'm actually just there to say hello and I'm just going to YouTube. <laughs> All right. Hello. Go to YouTube. Hi. Nice okay. to see you. Yeah, nice to see you too, guys. <laughs> okay, he's gone. They can eject people. That's useful. You, you don't want to eject people. You always want people to come on the Hangout. <laughs> well, this one's a special Hangout. I, okay. ejected, he, he wanted to leave. Okay. We're not kicking people out, exactly. But okay. we only, on the Hangout, we only want people who are prepared to and knowledgeable enough to to give a Buddhist opinion on the news. Which there are people out there who I think would be comfortable, but I think we're all a little skeptical as to whether this is going to actually work. So we are currently answering, currently talking about Germany reverses course, implements border controls. What's yes. that all about? Why is it interesting to Buddhists? So that was that was an article that I was reading, a very long article. Um, it's about the migrants from Syria who are just in mass leaving Syria going into Hungary to try to escape 
chaos and turmoil in Syria. And I remember uh, teaching from the Buddha about living in a suitable place. If you're not living in a suitable place, or you don't want to live in an unsuitable place, you want to live in a suitable place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to me, that, that makes sense. And it makes sense that people would um, choose to leave such a chaotic place. It's been chaotic mm-hmm. for so long. Very unfortunate. So people are just leaving in mass, going into Hungary, going into other European countries, and the other European countries are being overwhelmed. So now you, you, there are these heartbreaking scenes of, you know, countries just putting up fences and people on the wrong side of the fences, and they've got the, um, mm-hmm. you know, just people just being shut out. Uh, it's not that the countries necessarily don't want to help, but they're they're overwhelmed. Even Germany. What was remarkable about this was. Germany reversing course because Germany had been kind of open, very open to uh, the migrants, but they have also been overwhelmed. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, from a point of view of Buddhism, how, how do you, you know, how do you uh, think of, a, you know, such such chaos, such a humanitarian um, issue? Yeah, well, I mean, as with all issues, it's complicated. I think there's a lot of argument about causes, like. Um, anyone who's who's now shocked about the situation or decrying the situation should look at the causes of you know this didn't just happen overnight suddenly for no reason people are trying to leave syria uh, i think it's a long standing issue that was you know uh, came into being the world is kind of like that you know it's it's not um, things just don't come out of nothing the world is not in a good in a good state uh, overall i mean it's not like the world's getting worse i don't know i don't have a comment that's an interesting question whether it's getting worse or better i don't really have an opinion either way but uh, there are aspects of the situation that we're in that are really bad and cause a lot of suffering for people and have been for the history of humankind of humanity really and if you look at the past century alone the horror but if you look at any century i think you'll find this sort of horror that goes on not across the board there's a lot of good things and a lot of people live in happiness and peace but these pockets come up and they don't come up in isolation you know i mean they uh, we learned a lot when i was before before I was a monk, when I was in university before, about what has been done um, throughout Latin America and the situation there and a lot of the suffering that goes on there. It's all because of um, greed by industrialized nations, greed by by the rich and the powerful. Um, There's the wars that are caused by religion, this the instability that is caused by you know this huge force of belief in indoctrination and when you have two oppo- two different indoctrination uh, forces that are mutually incompatible then you get such forceful con- you know you get conflict and horror you know it's happened in europe it's happened uh, it continues to happen in the middle east it's happening in asia 
Then just conflict is a big one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, putting up putting up borders is something we keep hearing about in the United States as well. It's a very political political football. You know, Donald Trump mm -hmm. is all about putting up a wall between the United States and Mexico. And and then one of the other candidates I, I was mentioning before he he got on the bandwagon with putting up a wall between Canada and the United States, yeah, which is about that. just well, uh, silly, but. You know, it, it's kind of along the same lines of, you know, shut everyone out or protect our resources and shut everyone out. My point is there is an argument to be made that you can't just open borders because that's really, I think, a Buddhist principle is borders are, are terrible. Borders cause so much suffering. Borders have caused such hardship, you know, and take the borders of Africa, these ridiculously, horribly, inconsiderately drawn borders that that decimated populations because now two opposing clans were now in the same country and they were fighting for dominance where a, a clan would be or a, a tribe sorry i guess a civilization basically would be cut in half by a border you know just because it was completely complete disregard so borders are terrible but the answer you know so the answer is to not a part of the answer is is to rethink the whole border strategy. And it's really odd, especially to hear about protecting the interests, uh, protecting American interests, protecting Canadian interests. When you go to Thailand, it's all about protecting Thailand. When you go to Sri Lanka, it's about protecting Sri Lanka. As a world traveler, these are such, it's, a, it's, it's jarring to hear this because it doesn't resonate with me doesn't resonate with those of us who consider ourselves global and so on. But I think it's naive to consider with all the pressure that's going on that you can just open borders because you have problems. You know, you have people who, um, not people, you have forces that are in conflict. And so sometimes when you open borders, you make a mess so what they i think what what the solution that's often been used in the past is refugee camps right which uh, and I'm, I'm assuming that's what they're doing in germany that's what they're doing with syria yes. because you can't just introduce people from a completely foreign culture into a new society it really destabilizes it has the potential to destabilize the host society and to cause great suffering for the the individuals who are just thrust into the new society as well so you know there's lots of theory that about how that works and and how to make that work but i think the biggest thing i would you know the biggest point is in regards to the problems with borders problems with concerning concern about our own interests but on the other hand, the acknowledgement of the complexity of dealing with refugees. Yeah. And that's definitely what this article focused on, how Germany had, you know, one, um, you know, they had one way of looking at it. They were fairly welcoming of the migrants and they just got overwhelmed. So they had to, they had to change course. It's reality. I think I think it has to be said that 
countries that are stable and and where where economy is where everything is good and and happy often uh, become that way on the backs of other of countries that are thereby uh, or or are um, slaves or 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 under the thumb of those rich countries. I mean, that's how it has been in, in the past with imperialism. And so to sit back and say it's not our problem to close our borders, this is sort of the ultimate sort of the the, the extreme of, of this wrong idea of taking care of your own you know it's like we're football teams or something <laughs> competing it's ridiculous and and it's because it's coming to the fore now that we realize that we have one planet and if any one group of people start you know takes that to its extreme it's unsustainable the whole world suffers because of the climate right because we have to take care of the environment we have to, we need rainforests forests to breathe and that kind of thing i did just find one small last minute here i did find one small good news story in relation to that and it's a regarding a norwegian billionaire who pledges 5000 free nights in his hotel for refugees and that just seemed like yeah. an awfully kind thing to do um so that was nice individual and, efforts and these are places where you can volunteer right these are issues on which one can volunteer yes yes helping out your fellow human beings there's a lot of um se several buddhists have told me about hosts um when, uh, when they were refugees coming to Canada and how they would be hosted by a lot of Christians mostly. But these people had such an impression, they left such an impression on the, the refugees, just like after the horror that they had, had to go through, the Laotians, the Cambodians. A lot, many, some of them were hosted, were, were, were sponsored. You know, and then they would live in there in these people's houses or have such great help getting set up in the new country um, you you and this is the way to heaven it's these kind of things that lead you to heaven when you help others in this way so it's definitely an awesome thing to do something we should all think of Maybe a support for our meditation practice. But on the other hand, it, you could argue that it might be a little bit. Um, and that's what I was getting at with the complexity of the issue and, and the causes and so on. That it may see, it may be looked upon as just a part of the part of samsara. You know, why are you born in a country that is horrific in the first place? We aren't always born in the pleasant societies, in the comfortable societies. 
So it's the kind of thing that makes you, would make an enlightened one feel uh, moved to see the nature of samsara, the uncertainty of life. You can be born in a good place, like most of us, or you can be born in a place that is like hell on earth. Should not be negligent, should not be overconfident or complacent is the word. Should not be complacent when things are good. Someone says, hello, Bhante. I don't think that's the headline of a news article. I don't think we have any news articles. Let's talk about the quote. Okay. Maybe we'll just forget about the news. It's not so interesting anyway. Nothing interesting happening in the world, right? It's kind of depressing. Yeah. Okay, so our quote is, only within will one find peace. From the Sutta Nipata again. The Pali is Ajatamevupasame. It's one word. Ajatamevupasame. One will find peace. Ajatamevupasame. Peace is ajatam. I don't know what the grammar there is exactly. But upasama is peace, eva indeed or only, ajatang within. I don't know why it's an a, but it's getting late. I've been studying Latin all day. Oh, <laughs> that's going to be confusing, Latin and, and the poly clashing in the brain there. Maybe a little. Okay, so we've got a couple of questions. I've got a question and also a comment that your room looks like Spider-Man. <laughs> and someone wants to know, can we still ask questions on this website? Let's talk about you... the quote first. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Why, is, why do you find only within will one find peace? That's what I think that's what we, we all strive for in meditation, right? That's what we're looking for. Our minds are chaotic, our lives are stressful. Oh, meditation would be so great if only I could find peace. Some people sit sometimes people sit down beside me and say, Oh, just sitting near you makes me feel peaceful or something like that. I mean, I don't that's not bragging. I don't think I think it's all imagined in their head because they project, you know, they see a monk and they think, yes, someone who teaches peace. And their mind inclines, oh, I want to find that. I want that peace. I don't think there's anything mysterious or controversial about this. But it's, a, it's again one of these things that you have to remind yourself of. Dude, don't, don't you want peace? You know, like, isn't peace important to us? Isn't peace of mind important? I guess you could say that many people do in the world look for peace externally, right? Peace of mind. How do they get peace of mind? Well, investments, right? Um, job security, 
relationships, all of which we know are such a subject of suffering, you know, such an insecure aspect of life. Investments, well, look what happens there, right? The stock market crashes. And so much stress worrying about what's going to happen with the stock market. That's certainly not peace of mind. What else? Uh, a house. Did I say No, job security, right? Job security. Well, of course, it's never secure. You never know what's going to... So many people lose their jobs. And then the stress of worrying about keeping your job and as the economy changes. You know, I heard... Uh, a lot of people in 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 recent years have lost their jobs, but before they leave their jobs, they have to train people in another country how to do their job. Could you imagine? You're you're firing me, but before I leave, I'm obligated to teach someone else how to do my job. Yes. Can you imagine the whole, just the the awfulness of that, the horror. This is inhumane there should be a law against that i don't know i'm not big on laws exactly but still they should be ashamed of themselves there's no shame when you hear that kind of thing it seems like you're gonna fire if you can't afford people fire them if you want to get people cheaper well that's somewhat despicable but the worst thing forcing people to to train someone to do their job. That's that's inhumane. Inhuman. Uh, what else? We have relationships, which are, yeah, what's the divorce rate in, in the world nowadays? And infidelity is all, well, there was that website that everyone, there's a website that encourages you to. Ashley Madison. Encourages you to cheat on. That's what we've come to in this world. So trying to find peace externally, right? People have all these ideas, and it can happen. You can be at peace externally and live the good life. It's possible, but it's a huge risk, and it never lasts. Eventually, it ceases. And when it does, it can be quite disturbing. But uh, it's interesting how it's not as disturbing for for everyone, right? Depending on your attitude, your outlook. I think what a, a lot of people are complacent about their outlook. You know, they they feel like they've got a good outlook on life, and so they become conceited about it and, and complacent about it. And this is dangerous. You know, you get the idea someone that, that everything is perfect and you've got the good outlook. And I hear that a lot. People think, you know, I, I just let things go or something. But do you really? You know, it's true. Some people are able to let go of things easier than others. Doesn't mean that you're perfect. Doesn't mean that there's no reason to train yourself. Doesn't mean you've truly found peace. And so. Such people, when you get when you become conceited, then you try to make excuses when you're when you react or when you when your your uh, equanimity or your, your your peace of mind is disturbed. Try to ignore it or pretend it's not real. Or 
try to hide it from others at least because people will think you're you're a fake, a phony. Right? You can hide from others. You can hide. You can hide. You can fool all fool other people. But there's always one person who knows what's going on in your mind. There's always one person who knows how much peace you have. And it's not even true, but to some extent, we always know. We have to live it. You can't fool yourself. I mean, you can't. It doesn't bring peace of mind to trick yourself. You can't avoid the suffering that comes from stress you can pretend everything's fine and other people believe you we believe each other right i look at other people and they all look happy you know they all look comfortable it looks like they're doing great most people it looks but there's always something off you know you just look at people and you think well they seem happy but something's not right that's what i'd say about people who are taking medication it's they can look perfectly normal. And that's the great thing about taking psychoactive drugs is pretty good if you take, if you fine tune it, it's pretty good at making you seem normal, but there's something off. It's not natural. That's the problem. No, for most people, it's not, it's not drugs. Well, actually, more and more people, it is drugs, right? And we'll never know. They'll never tell us. But for many people, it's just, they're screaming inside, right? <laughs> Horrible things have happened to them, are happening to them. I think the statistic, what is the statistic on the number of women who have, in the, the percentage of the female population that have been sexually assaulted in their lives? Isn't it like high? I think so. I think it's like 35% or so. 35% of women. Yeah. That's the yeah. population at large. Yeah. When they take into account things like date rape, yeah. I believe it's pretty high and that sort of thing often is something that stays with you right and it's going on in your mind a lot it's hard to get over and let go of and so you know and and things like that i mean that's just one example but so many examples of, of worries about money issues people who are in debt what is the percentage of the population that's in debt right and anyone who's in debt, the Buddha said, inada nang dukang loke, debt is suffering in this world. So, what's really going on inside? No matter what you have outside, no matter how great things are outside. One thing you can say about Buddhist practice is you don't realize how much suffering you had until you start practicing Buddhism. We think everything's fine. It's like, I think Tanisaro, he, has, he does a good job talking about uh, the, the comparison. Like, for someone I've, I've read in several places, it's a common thing for Buddhists to say that uh, you, can't, you can't talk, like one Buddhist teacher gave the example, you can't talk to a fish about dry land because all it knows is water and if you talk about the flowers and the trees it would 
can be horrified. You know, there's you mean there's no water? How do you breathe? Right? Or for for the, the example I always like to give is of someone clinging to the side of a cliff. And uh, they don't they, they they a bird looking at them would pity them and would think but it wouldn't really understand what they're what they're going through. But the, but the point is that the the person, the human, or the the non-winged animal clinging to the cliff is incapable of flight. It's in, is uh, well, their their the point is their their worldview is limited, or their their ability to conceive is limited. I mean, it's not the problem. They don't have wings. It's the real problem. But the point being that we think we, we you know based on our our limited understanding and ultimately our ignorance like the example i always give is of a bird clinging to the side of what i meant to say is a bird clinging to the side of the cliff the bird doesn't realize the bird that doesn't realize it has wings or a baby bird its mother kicks it out of the nest. Sometimes they fall to their death and die because they don't realize they have wings. They're not, they're not ready to fly. That's evolution. That's natural selection. Kick it out if it doesn't fly. Didn't deserve to live. Didn't deserve to go on. But so we think we think we're happy. Mahasi Sayada said, like ducks, ducks and chickens that are that are in a slaughterhouse or on a on a, a meat farm, they're happy and you know, clucking away, and they think life's great. The story of this dung beetle, right? The story of the queen who became a dung beetle, and she was so happy with her new dung beetle husband living in this pile of feces. Buddha said, Tatra Binandini, we find pleasure wherever we are. One of my meditators once described this scene of uh, chasing cockroaches across his his floor. Because there's in Asia, well, around the world, right? There's cockroaches, but when you're living in a fairly tropical society uh, it's hard to keep the cockroaches out of your kutis big big cockroaches like this big and they come in the, in the middle of the night they come in they they like your lips for some reason so in the middle of the night i'll be lying there and suddenly i'll wake up and feel it on my lip and i'll just go boom <laughs> get off my because they're kind of gross you don't want them on your lips and then i try to get a cup and try and grab them and take them outside. But he described the scene of these two cockroaches. So he's, he took his broom and he was trying to sweep them outside and he got one cockroach and then he got another cockroach and they got them both together and they're scrabbling and they're like freaking out. Oh no, it's the end of the world. Cockroaches do. And then suddenly they got together and, and when, they, when, they, when they noticed each other, in the midst of their scrabbling for their lives, they, they, one of them jumped on the other one and they started to copulate. 
I thought it was a really um, useful story. It points out um, the nature of, of our attachment, our desire. I mean, I think, aren't there like stories, that, like, isn't that a, a common theme in stories where you know, the world's going to end, so let's let's uh, make love at the last moment or something, you know? It's uh, our ability to uh, to ignore everything. And the ability, I guess the ability of desire, the power of, of desire to just blot everything out. And as we practice meditation, we realize this is all, this is all crude, gross, gross in the sense of being coarse. You know? It's not subtle, it's not refined. The more you practice, the more you, you, you release, you let go, and you find greater and greater ha true happiness and true peace. And the more you practice, the more you realize that truly peace is, comes from within. It doesn't come from the objects of experience. can't. That realization, that right there, that's what we strive for. When you come to that, when you really get that, that's when the mind drops. It's like it's clinging and it just falls. It falls into Nibbana, sort of dives into Nibbana. And that's the true peace, true happiness. So, got lots of comments. Are you guys chatting in the chatting comments? And I overstated the percentage of women who have been sexually assaulted. It's nearly 20, not 35%. Still. One still in high. One yeah. in five. Yeah, it's still high. So, I, so walking around at university, all those women, mm -hmm. I mean, they're still fairly young, but I assume once you're, it usually happens probably before, before you're 30 anyway. I don't know. I mean, whatever, but just as it just one statistic, I guess young people aren't so much in debt. I don't know. Well, we're all in debt, right? Student loans, but I don't think they're thinking about it so much. Students are pretty, I think, probably pretty happy. University students, especially, they're fairly privileged, right? Not everyone goes to university. A lot of kids have drop out or finish high school and that's it. But still, there are things that weigh heavily on people's minds and and yet they worry about, uh, this is I wanted to talk, tell you guys about. We had clubs training today, so we had to go to this inf information session where they told us all and all about the clubs. So we got this McMaster Buddhism Association, had to go and learn just fairly useful information, probably not so much for me, but for the other people in our club. And uh, then at the end, he said they're having a social this Friday at one of the restaurants slash pubs on campus. And afterwards, there's going to be the X-rated hypnotist. <laughs> they're having every year at Mac. This is. 16 years ago it was the same or 10 years ago anyway it was the same 
they have an X-rated hypnotist. And so with all this stress and, and even pe people who, who have these problems, you know, who have, who are suffering from lack of peace of mind are probably more likely to want to go to an X-rated hypnotist just for the sheer debauchery of it, I guess. It's, uh, you know, and it gets your mind off of it for a while. It's like a drug. It certainly doesn't make the problem any less severe, any easier to deal with. It doesn't help. So do we have any questions? We do. Comments that your room looks like Spider-Man also. And that that's because that you... That important. That is not right speech. No, no idle chatter. No, no idle chatter. chatter. Okay. So this was... These colors. It's red and it's blue. Those are primary colors. It's true. This is a casino. These are casinos. There's the red casino and the blue casino. It's, I can it's practice casino meditation in this room quite well. It's Man, just imagine staring at the wall and saying red, red. It's just so different from your old beige room. It's just ah, so now you now different. you experience impermanence yeah. and the jarring nature of having to deal with new things, different things, possibly not the way you wanted. Maybe someone wanted to have a meditation question and answer tonight, and instead we talked about the news. That didn't go well. Maybe you wanted to talk about the news and it didn't go well, and now you're disappointed in that. Well, here's a question that's I think was um, back when we were talking about the news. It was, how about China saying they will pick the next incarnation of the Dalai Lama? How is that going to work? Yeah, I think I've given up the idea of of talking about the news. Okay, <laughs> that was a bad idea. Let's go back to uh, meditation questions. Meditation okay. Questions. While reading the Paticca Samapada Vibhanga Sutta, it stated, from the cessation of clinging, sustenance, comes the cessation of becoming. From the cessation of becoming comes the cessation of birth. Right. So the question is, how does attachment or clinging lead to birth? How does attachment clinging? Well, attachment clinging leads to bhava, bhava becoming, and that's going on during life as well. You know, you, you ever gotten caught up in something, like you start a new initiative and realize that, <coughs> oh crap, what have I gotten myself into? And realize it was from your overzealousness, your, your, your attachment, your desire, your ambition, right? All of these things got you caught up in something and now you're caught up in it and you realize you realize you've started something and and it has consequences and this is this is an experience of bhava becoming so that happens throughout life but even when it doesn't happen there's there's the physical as well that's creating experiences so the physical body is prompting you as well when you die when the body dies, that physical prompting is no longer there, but the mental prompting is still there, the mental ambitions. And so that mental ambition continues on as normal as it has been throughout the whole life. All that's missing from the equation is now the physical stimuli. 
And the physical stimuli are also filters which keep your memories, suppress your memories, uh, and, and bring the memories up in an orderly, more orderly fashion. When you, when you die, the understanding is that the memories or karma that you've performed in the past uh, has, a, has a chance to come fully and in a much more powerful, much more spiritual, kind of spiritually um, efficacious way to the extent that it, 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 it moves you and it drives you. And this, so this creates further bhava. But this new bhava, um, uh, right, the other thing is the, the uh, mind can affect body. Mind can create physical. Mind can give rise to physical. Just as physical can give rise to mental, mental can give rise to physical. So that's how the rebirth process happens. There is somehow, uh, and there's detailed explanations of, of the m m manner in which it happens. But as to why it happens, it's just, well, that's just the nature. It's what is observed. There is the creation of the new experience, or maybe creation is a bad word, but there is the, through the becoming, there is the entrance into the womb, the creation or the, the expansion of the fetus from one cell to two cells and so on. It's, uh, it's because the mind is productive. Now, if there's no um, ambition, no, no desire, right? Then with the physical cessation, there's also the mental cessation because the mental stream is non-productive. The physical stream stops producing, the, the mental stream also stops producing. That's the moment of death of an enlightened being. I just noticed with our Q&A open, um, it looks like a question is submitted from YouTube and, and we actually, we take our questions from meditation.sarimangalo.org. It's okay, so, this is a meditation question, we can take it. Okay. Many are familiar with sitting and walking meditation. Is meditation while standing or lying down very different? No, it's usually very similar to sitting meditation. Walking meditation is different because it's in motion, right? So it focuses on the movements of the feet rather than the stomach or the breath. But standing and lying would be very similar to sitting meditation in technique. Now, standing meditation will give you more energy. Lying meditation will, uh, relatively speaking, give you more concentration. If someone needs to move out to become more peaceful, how do they get around that issue if they still need their parents' financial assistance? They have to move out to what? If someone needs to move out to become more peaceful, they can't find peace at home, but yeah. they still need their parents' financial peace assistance. Within. What are you doing looking for peace without? Didn't we just lecture you on this? Why are you looking for peace external? You need to move out to find peace. Weren't you listening? That, that question might actually have been... Um, asked before we went over the 
was asked a while ago, maybe that was before we went over the, the quote. Peace is within. You should be able to find peace in a red room, in a blue room, in your own house, in your parents' house. You should be able to find peace when they're sawing your arms off with a two-handed saw. If peace is just a feeling, how can we justify its pursuit? Hmm, peace isn't a feeling. Any peace that is a feeling is still, hmm, it's a, it's a good point, is still um, impermanent. Because it's impermanent, it's not peaceful, truly. So the Buddha said, uh, yeah, I don't know what he said. The ultimate peace is Nibbana. I have a hard time maintaining social relationships. When I try to talk to someone, no one finds me interesting. They usually yawn in my face. How do I cope with loneliness? Meditate. Have you read my booklet on how to meditate? That's a good place to start. Loneliness, being alone is awesome. Being alone is the most powerful thing. Not the most powerful thing, it's a powerful thing. You have such power when you're alone. You have the opportunity when you're alone. The Buddha said, Narinchati patisalanam. One who lives by the Dhamma doesn't um, waste the time that they have, doesn't abandon their solitude, looking for friends, looking for companionship. Most of us, we run as far away as we can. When we realize we're alone, we find any way to not be alone. As soon as, the, as soon as the arising process of the aggregates comes to an end, what does remain is the fourth thing that has awakened Gotama discovered. He called it Nibbana. I'm sorry, that I thought that was a question. I should probably pre-read these. Okay. If depression kept you from meditating and meds helped you follow the path, would that be acceptable? Why aren't you meditating on your depression? What do you mean meditation keeps you from meditating? Depression keeps you from meditating. That's the whole point of meditating, to learn about depression. It's okay, I mean, I, I get it. It's hard for some people. Maybe near impossible. If you could find a way to... Here's what I'd suggest. The reason I would claim or, or suggest that potentially it's just the intensity of the depression. And if the depression were less intense, you'd be able to uh, learn about it, right? So then you decide to take medication for depression in the interim, in the beginning, because you want to make it easier on yourself. So you try that for a while, and once you become capable of dealing with depression, of saying to yourself, depressed, depressed, sad, sad, frustrated, worried, whatever the flavor of it is, then you start taking less medication, right? Until finally you're able to deal with full-on depression. You know, you can go back and forth. 
So in that way, medication is your crutch. But crutches are not something you should be you should be moving towards. They're something you should be moving away from. It's a question for me. Someone asks, um, do I remember correctly that you had a standing desk installed at work and do you find it helps you stay mindful and or not become energetically drained? Um, it wasn't exactly a standing desk. It's like a like an AV cart, like a TV cart, but it's the right height to put a keyboard and monitor on. So I do stand at work now and it's great for a couple of reasons. Um, it's it's good as a, you know, just as a balance to all the sitting meditation and things like that. And it definitely keeps me more alert, more energetic at work. It's been a very, it's been almost a year now and it's been a very beneficial thing, I think. Is the iPad app that you showed yesterday available now, or was it just a demo? Just a demo. Okay. Can you talk about the latent tendencies and how they manifest in thought and then in action? No. It's almost 10. Okay. I did, did I do a, I have done a video on um, something on it once. Latent um, tendencies? say probably yeah if anyone's not familiar with the video wiki it's video.surimangala.org there's about 700 something videos they're all categorized is it perhaps not more useful to concentrate on unsatisfactoriness than nibbana or peace given unsatisfactoriness is the problem and nibbana unknown and therefore dangerous to conceptually strive for? That sounds like an opinion question. <laughs> I mean, it's a good one. It's a good point you're making, but it's not really a question. I agree with you completely, of course, yes. It's much more useful to concentrate, but no one ever said, I think, that we concentrate on peace, or I was, I guess I was implying that people are looking for peace, right? Um, yeah, I mean, the whole, the implication there is how do you find peace within? You find peace within by learning about those things that are causing you suffering, that are causing you stress. Can the peace found within be said to be any less impermanent than the temporary sort of peace that you sometimes get from external conditions? Yes. Internal peace is stable and constant and permanent. I mean, Nibbana is... Nirvana. About mental noting, even advanced meditators in your tradition do it? Won't just witnessing without noting in that particular way be harder to do, but with better results? No, because noting fixes the mind. Noting keeps you honest. Noting ensures that you're objective. There's no such thing as a really an advanced meditator. Not not in that way. The same you know, the same principles apply. We're we're unenlightened because there's something we don't understand, there's something we're not objective about. And so whatever that is, we use the noting to the mantra, the reminder, to remind ourselves, to keep ourselves, to cultivate objectivity. Is it okay to do walking meditation in a small room? Sure. 
You can just walk up and down if you want. To do more turning that way, but. And then I had one quick question. I think it's a quick question. If you, I, we talked about, you know, pets before, and I know you, you weren't really from a Buddhist point of view in favor of keeping pets and things, but mm -hmm. if you can save one from being uh, exterminated, um, euthanized, like from a pound, how do you feel um, about that? It's, it's again, a matter of priority. Sure. But it's, why, why do we do that? We do it because we're partial and we're partial against suffering. I guess to some extent, if you're put in the situation, then you have to deal with that situation, right? You don't, you don't exactly choose. But if you hear about a dog in the pound, some part of you should be thinking, you know, if I put all that energy into saving one dog's life and the dog is going to die in 10 years anyway without ever becoming enlightened, so okay, maybe I can move the dog closer towards goodness. But all the energy that I put in, and expenses and everything that I put into that dog, I could use to help people who were meditating and were becoming enlightened. And, you know, the people who are suffering horribly, but who can, through practice, truly become enlightened. So it's, it's really a matter of priorities. And I think it's um, generally should be low on our priority list to worry about deaths of animals because they die anyway whether we should worry more about the people who are killing animals because killing is a perversion of consciousness yeah i can't imagine doing that job that must be that must be terrible why not say nibbana can be found within it's more precise because it doesn't sound it isn't as poetic you know are you criticizing the buddha here are you really going to go there? Is it important to do deep metta to cultivate compassion? Because yesterday it was mentioned that even an arahant can't live as a novice. Can't live as a novice because nothing would hold him to life. Should it be compassionate? Should it be compassion to liberate others that hold him into that life? And with that, I think it's 10 o'clock. Hold your questions. My brain stopped working. So let's stop it there. You can keep that question. If you think it was a good question, whatever it was about, yeah. um, we'll come back to it again tomorrow. Put that through again tomorrow, sure. Thank, Thank you, Bhante. Thank you. Thanks. Good night. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Have a good night.